Awesome, awesome. Well, I am uh, looking forward to our new series and uh, getting into the fall again. Thank you so much for choosing to come here on a great day for baptism, a great day for our, our launch. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, let's give it up for all our university students that made it here on the bus. Woo! <coughs> welcome. Welcome each one of you. Today we are going to start a series, and if you're new to Church on the Rock, we usually take series and uh, look at, uh, at, uh, at a subject in about four weeks, uh, four to five weeks. And uh, this is the start of our first fall series. And it's interesting because uh, at the end of today, I hope you're going to understand a way of God, how God works. Uh, the Bible talks about the ways of God, and this is a way how he works. And if that's worthwhile to be able to tuck that away in the back of your mind to go, oh, okay, this is really one of the ways of God. And so we're going to get there. Uh, we're going to get there at the end. And I hope at the end, not only can we understand that better, but we can practice that better uh, today. So let's pray that God would open up his uh, word to us. Oh, Heavenly Father, we love you. And we want to draw closer to you. And so we look to you through your scriptures. We look to you through people who have come before us. And help us, Lord, today to get the foundation stones, some of the, 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 the understanding of how you work with us. So, Lord, I pray you'll open up our hearts and minds in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, I'm not sure if uh, you are like me. I'm a little bit of a hypochondriac, if you don't know what that means, is uh, if you have something slightly wrong with your health, like my cough after just, uh, just recently, now that's pneumonia, I'm sure, and I'm sure I'm going to die. There's something about, you know, uh, if little things happen. Every so often, you know, I'll get a, oh, whoo, heart pain. And I go, whoa, I'm going to have a heart attack. And then I just realized I ate a taco. So, no, no. So sometimes I go, okay, these, this, oh, okay. I'm, I, every bump, every mole is, uh, of course, cancerous. And, and so I do, I do the very, uh, the best way of healthcare. And this is a, a, a way I recommend for all of you. Uh, here it is. It's just going to get better on its own. So just leave it, right? <laughs> Yeah, come on, come on. <laughs> Just kidding. It's going to get better on its own. Like many males, I am, not, uh, I am not loving hitting the doctor all the time. I saw this reel, and uh, it's off of, a, off of Be a Man reel. And it says this. The guy gets up and says, are you sick? Do nothing about it and die. Be a man. <laughs> the idea is, listen, often I don't do something about some of the sim uh, symptoms I have. In fact, I was a, uh, I was a youth pastor for a while, and at uh, Joy Bible Camp, they're having one of those big moon balls. You know, they're about this big, and they're having, a, a, you know, some kind of competition where they're trying to get it through various nets. And uh, as they're doing this, you know, I am... I am full, you know, 40-something, thinking, I am going to stop this. So this huge moon ball comes up, and I try to stop it with one arm. And that wasn't good because I, it hurt, just hurt pretty bad. But I stopped it. Yeah, the competition is, is really, really important. Problem is, it hurt for quite a while. And I go, okay, I'm going to use the taught, tried, and tested way of healthcare. It's just going to get better on its own. It's just going to, you know, I'll sort of shake it off. It continued to hurt for two months. And then I thought, oh, okay, I'm going to check out what it is. 
And so I remember the doctor saying, okay, can you put up your arm? I said, no, I can't. <laughs> He's, he said, put it up. Here, he just, he lifted my arm up and he said, did you see that ball that's hanging out of your armpit? Yeah. He said, that's your shoulder joint. <laughs> you, you, have had, you have had a dislocated shoulder for two months. Oh, should we do something about that? Can I take a pill? <laughs> so after a lot of physio, it, it snapped back. But I think that is an interesting introduction for a lot of things in our lives. A lot of us, a lot of us experience pain, but we don't let pain be a sign. And so that's the first thing I want us to camp on, to let pain be a sign, be a sign. I remember I read an interesting book years ago by Philip Yancey and uh, a doctor who worked in, uh, in uh, Southeast Asia. He worked with leprosy patients. And he said this interesting thing. His thesis statement was this. He said, pain is a gift from God. And I remember reading that. No, it's not. It's not a gift from God. And then he said, uh, one of the symptoms of uh, leprosy is that nerve damage. And so they don't feel things in the, the extremities. And so what happens is pieces of their body don't normally fall off. But what happens, if they're in a fire, it'll be on fire, it'll burn, and they don't feel it. And, and they are hurting themselves because they don't let pain be a sign. Because they don't, they don't have pain anymore. And, and so, so that is something I want us to embrace. Because I think many people, in fact, maybe most, say it's going to get better but this time it's with our hearts. Our hearts just aren't right. They feel sick. They feel empty. We don't know why. And we're not grieving a loss. We're not angry about injustice. We just feel empty. When next Netflix and scrolling is done, the emptiness is still there till the next day. And, and so, okay, okay, this has been going on for a long time, Dave. Where do I go? What doctor do I go to help the emptiness in my heart, because it's not getting better on its own. May I suggest a whole way of looking at life? And so we're going to jump right to the, uh, to the creation story in Genesis chapter 7. If you are a believer, we look to the book of Genesis to tell us what the beginning was like. If you're on your way to God, I know you think it's mythology. That's fine. Just for the fun of it, listen to what us Christians are saying. And there is something buried in there that might be very interesting to your story. It's in Genesis chapter 7. And at 2, uh, sorry, 2, uh, 2, 7, it says this. And the Lord formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils a breath of life. Now, now God created everything from the ground everything from, from the earth, except for humans, he did something quite different. He breathed into their nostrils a breath of life. That, this is a separate thing. And, and if you know Hebrew, it's, the breath is, is, is ruah. It's, it's, it's the spirit. There, there's something spirit soulish that got breathed into it. And then it says, and man became a, a living soul. A living soul. So the, the first part I want us to come away with is that you are more than a body. You are a soul. I have a soul. I have a soul. And I know sometimes I get, uh, you know, I'll play uh, for us all to say things just to make sure you wake up the people next to you. All right, so here we go. I would love you all to say, I have a soul, okay? Here we go. One, two, three. I have a soul. Isn't that weird? Not good. You know, most of human history... <clears throat> 
uh, before 300 years ago was keenly aware of this. They were aware of the spiritual world everywhere. They thought spirits were in the trees, in the sky, in the sun. And we laugh at that now as modern people, as those who are enlightened. Uh, I, was, uh, I was in Edinburgh, <clears throat> and uh, I went down into this uh, underground city. And they talked about having the plague, and, and they, uh, these, these people would have the plague. And a doctor would go and help all the people with the plague. And, and, you know, the question is, how did they not get the plague, right? Because they were helping everybody, but they didn't. And the reason is because they wore this costume and this weird mask, in other words, to scare the vapors away. Okay, again, thinking it's all very spiritual. But we've learned that the plague comes from fleas off of rats, and the fleas couldn't get to the doctor because of the get-up. And so somehow they, they, they weren't, weren't affected. And we all sit back, and I saw everybody chuckle at that. <laughs> People who are so unenlightened. People are so unenlightened. And they don't realize we have answers now for everything. Everything. We don't need things that are spiritual. Well, everything can be explained away by naturalism, that everything is, is, is from nature. And that is what the secular mindset is, and this is the, the world we live in. As uh, one person I love to read, Mark Sayers, says this, secularism, this is the culture we live in now, is a cultural framework that art works against belief. That would be belief in anything that's supernatural and undermines anything supernatural. Secularism is built on doubting, built on doubt. Secular is set up to make you doubt. So we're in a, a, a world that wasn't there 300 years ago that, that, that to be smart, to be educated is to doubt, to doubt, to doubt. All the things that we see on documentaries, it's all formated uh, for you to doubt. The secular world tells us that you are just a body. You are not a soul. Our minds are just a set of neurons. Love is only hormones. And meaning and purpose is simply an illusion. And the thing is, they, they keep on thinking, if secularism could just get this right and make sure the world is perfect that way, there would be a utopia. And closer and closer we get to the secular utopia, the more and more empty we feel. Why is that? Why is that? I think Jesus has uh, an interesting answer. He was talking to uh, his disciples about how hard it is to follow him. And he says, this is hard. You have to pick up your cross every day. And then he asked two questions. And that's just good in education to ask questions. They're rhetorical questions, but they're good questions. Questions that should stop us and, and just pause. Here are the, the, here are the two questions. They're found in Mark chapter 8, verses 36 and 37. And it says, what do you, uh, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? That's a good question. What happens if you become the richest person in the world, the most famous person in the world, the, the person that has everything that you could ever dream of, that could travel everywhere? What would happen if you could travel everywhere, free of cost, have all these luxuries, but lose your soul? Is that worth it? Is that worth it? And the, the, the question should, should eat away at the modern mind. And then he asks another question. Is anything worth more than your soul? And as we are in a, a world that doesn't tell us we have a soul, we're in a world that pushes against anything spiritual or soulish, and we become more and more empty inside, Jesus says, what's more important in the whole world? What's the thing 
Is anything worth more than your soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? The soul can't be weighed on a scale. It can't be seen by an imaging device. But it is real. It's the most valuable thing you have. If you have a body, the body needs to be fed and taken care of. If we have a soul, guess what? The soul needs to be fed and taken care of. In the middle of the, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says in Matthew 5, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. If you recognize the hunger in your soul, and if you go, listen, I want to do something about this hunger in my soul. It's not hunger for food, but it's after this soulish food called righteousness. If I could hunger for that and chase after that, guess what? I'm going to be, here's the word, I'm going to be filled. And a world where people's souls seem more and more empty. So hunger is a good desire. And it leads you to be filled leads you to be filled. So I want, I want you to let you know everyone has normal spiritual hunger. If you're a believer, you still have spiritual hunger, even though you have the Spirit of God in you. It needs to be nourished. It needs to be fed. Your soul needs to be cultivated. All these things in our soul, it, it's an alive thing, our souls. This is not something that's this, you know, uh, you know, uh, something you can hang on a hook. Okay, I got one of those. Do you have one of those? No, it's something that's alive that needs to be fed. If you're an atheist and don't even believe any of this stuff, you have a soul. You do. And God loves you and wants that soul to come alive. In fact, Blaise Pascal tried to describe it this way, and many of us have heard this quote before. But he says, there's a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of each man which cannot be satisfied by any created thing, but only by God the Creator, made known through Jesus Christ. And we know that's true. Those of us who have fed our souls, we know that, don't we? We know that there's this hunger in us, and if it's not fed, we start to, to wither inside, and we need to have our souls fed. And so the desire for spiritual food is a good thing. It's a good thing. It shows that you're hungry. It shows that you're hungry. Have, have, you, have you, you ever gone around going, oh, man, I'm just so hungry, and everything you drive by just looks so good, right? And you're looking for the perfect thing, right, whatever it is, you know, well, tacos. I'm on to tacos today. I don't know why. <laughs> you know, is it Wendy's? What's it going to be? Are you going to upscale to Montana's? I don't know. But whatever it is, you, you can barely wait, and your, your stomach is going, right? And uh, I, yeah, there is a spiritual hunger like that too. And it's, it's described in Psalm, Psalm 42. As the deer longs for streams of water, and this is a picture of a deer out in the wilderness. The water in the wilderness are found in these wadis that, that dry up. And so this is like a starvation kind of thirst. As a deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you. Oh, God. I thirst for God, the living God. Where can I go and stand before him? Notice the outflow of this. I'm so hungry. I'm so thirsty for God. I know him. He has this longing in his heart, and he has identified it. Oh, 
you know what? It's not that I'm lonely for other people. It's not that I'm not, you know, I don't have enough things to think about. It's not that I'm, I'm sad about grief or loss. It's none of those things. You know what it is? It's a hunger for God. He's identified a hunger for God. And then he goes, where can I go? I want to go to him. I just got to meet with him because I need my soul fed. I am hungry for you, God. I am hungry for you. And so now we're, we're going to zero in on a way of God. How does God respond to this? We're going to go to Moses. He's on the backside of the desert. He grew up in Pharaoh's court. He uh, was uh, learning to be a shepherd at this moment. <laughs> if you are new to Moses, uh, this, was, uh, this was when the, the children of Israel were captive in Egypt. God's going to use Moses as the redeemer and, 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 and rescue them and take them out of Egypt. And, and right now, he is an older man, 80 years old in the desert, just waiting, waiting and tending sheep. He doesn't know he's going to be used by God greatly. All he knows is that he is there to do the job the next day, the next day, and the next. The Bible says in Exodus 3 that he went far into the wilderness, into the wild, to the edges of the wild, and it says in Exodus 3, 2, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Okay. So there's this bush. And it's just is, is on fire. I'm sure that's just really unusual. And Moses saw through the, uh, that, that though the bush was on fire, it didn't burn off. Interesting. Interesting. You know if you know the story that God's going to call him at this moment. Why didn't God just do it? Like, you know, those of you who are fishing and clear, right? Why didn't God just go, broom? Okay, I'm here, God. Uh, Moses, let's get to business. Let's get on to this. Let's do this. All right, here's what I want you to do. Wouldn't that be more efficient? Why is God doing this? Why is there? It's a burning bush, right? Because it's a cool children's story? <laughs> no, because there's a reason. We're going to understand the reason right here. Okay, here we go. And so he is calling to him. So he's, you know, he, he sees the, the bush on fire. And so here, here it is, Exodus 3, 3 to 4. Moses thought, huh, I added that in Scripture. I'll go over and see this strange sight. Why does the bush not burn up? Is he thinking about God at this moment? No. Is he thinking, this is a supernatural? He said, oh, that's weird. I'm going to go check it out, okay? That's about as spiritual as that moment gets. Okay, now listen to this part. This is the part I love. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to, to look, God called to him. He didn't call to him when he was standing far away. He waited until he drew close in order to call to him. So to call to him from within the bush, Moses Moses. God took the initiative in the burning bush. God always takes the initiative. He always puts desires in our hearts, always wants us to come to him. He takes the initiative. But then guess what? He waits. He waits. And that is the way of God. God puts desires in our hearts, things in our, our circumstances, and then he waits for us. God always waits. The initial nudge. 
And those of you who have come to church and, and found and discovered how amazing God is here through Church on the Rock, it might not have been because you were hungry for God. It might have been because you wanted to see somebody sing on stage. Maybe it was a neighbor that invited you and you're curious. I'm going to be curious to check this church out. What is church all about anyway? I remember my grandparents used to go to church. All I am is curious. But you didn't know that curiosity that was peaking within you was God's initiative uh, to you. Some of you found us online, and, and welcome to all those who are online. And, and those of you who found us online, it was just something that, that, oh, you're flipping around and you decided to land on there. Isn't that interesting? That is God's initiative. God always takes the initiative. On the surface, it might not even seem spiritual. As uh, Ruth Haley Barton says, the stirring of the spiritual desire indicates that God's spirit is already working within us, drawing us to himself. We love God because he first loved us. We long for God because he first longed for us. So what happens? God initiates, then he waits. God initiates, then he waits. And I believe that's a way of God. James 4, 8, come near to God. And what's he going to do? He's going to come near to you. He's put that desire in you, but guess what? He's waiting for you to come near to him. In fact, in the book of Revelation, uh, at, uh, at the uh, first, uh, first three chapters of the book of Revelation, Jesus is speaking to various churches back then. And one of the churches, he reproves. And, and the beautiful thing about his reproof is he says, listen, you need to stop doing this. But then he doesn't say, you are out of the pool. I'm, I'm done with you. He said, hold on. No, no, no. Here's the way back. And this is, uh, I, I'm going to read to you Revelation 3, 17. It says, you say, I'm rich. I've acquired wealth and do not need a thing. I do not need a thing. But you, you do not realize that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Wow. And that's something else. It's like, could you actually imagine this being like a real thing? Like some person that is blind, pitiful, just poor, naked. And they're walking around saying, I got everything. I have everything I need. I'm good. Yeah, do you need help? No, I'm, I'm super. <laughs> thing is, he's saying, listen, you are so rich with material things. So rich with material things. You don't need a home because you have a lovely home. You don't need a car because you've got a lovely car. You don't need a job. You've got a job. All these things you have, they didn't realize the most important thing was Jesus himself. And so he gives the solution in the same to the same church, and this is the solution. He says, here I am. Here I am. I, I stand at the door, and I'm knocking. He's talking to Christians. He's like, hey, I'm, I'm knocking at this church's door. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and eat with that person, and they with me. So in other words, God takes the initiative. Hey, hey, come on. And then what does he do? He waits. He takes the initiative and knocks. He doesn't bust down the door. He doesn't say, let me in. He doesn't get in the window. <laughs> That'd be just really frightening. <laughs> he knocks, and then he waits. He waits. He waits. And if they open the door, they will have their souls fed. So I want us to come out of this with a very simple idea. 
that the emptiness you might feel wherever you are on your spiritual walk, if you're not there with God yet, or if you are new for God, and, or maybe you've walked with God your whole life, perhaps the emptiness you feel may be God's knock. It might be God knocking and waiting at your door. Might be. And Jesus stands in the courtyard of the temple in John 7 and cries out, he says on, on John 7, 37, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Anyone. He's calling. He's not going to force the water down your throat, but he's calling and he's going to wait. Come, 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 come. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture says, have rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the spirit with whom, uh, uh, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. I, I'm not going to drag you out of this mess. But I'm here. All the time. Waiting. Now come to me. Come to me. And this is the introduction to our series on spiritual practices. Why are we going to talk about spiritual practices for four weeks? Because I believe that God is knocking on everyone's heart. And he's saying, come to me. Come, and he's waiting, he is waiting for us to do something about that. To do something about this. It, these are spiritual practices. This is not new information. You can't learn this on a podcast. You can listen to 150 different podcasts about spiritual practices, but you still leave Jesus on the other side of the door knocking until you do them. Until you do them. Information is not transformation. I, I, I like watching medical programs. It's really cool. You know, because I, 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 you know, I, I took some of that in undergrad and go, oh, I know what they're doing. That's so cool. But you would not want me to operate on you, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> Bad idea. Not only do I have shaky hands, but I just, I, yeah, I've never done that, all right? Because, listen, information doesn't change you. I've, I've taken on all kinds of information. But it's the practice of, so Jesus knocks. It's the way of God. He always takes initiative. And then he waits. Will you come to me? Will you take some time away with me? You know, let our, our worship team come on up. Will you take some time to pause, to be still, and enter and, and the uh, attentiveness on your in, inner life? What we're going to do, we're going to go over at least one, if not two, spiritual practices every week for the next three weeks. And, and just to get us started, in a very simple way, let's just come to God now. I'm going to tell you what to do and, and tell you a very simple practice. And, and it's called centering prayer. There's lots of things to do with centering prayer. And centering prayer can be as easy as this. Just using your breath as a, as a, uh, as a guide just to breathe in. And as you breathe out, say, I thank you for your... Let me try it a little bit. I thank you for your help. I thank you for Sunday mornings. Thank you for your rich provision. And you do that until your heart stills. And your heart gets fed. Let's take some time in silence. 
And let's practice that now. Let's feed our hearts. God, you say we're to enter your courts with thanksgiving. We recognize today that this emptiness that we feel is a soulish one. And we want you to come in and have a meal with us. God, lead us to you this week. Lead us to you over these next four weeks in various and new ways and creative ways and old ways. Lead us to you to feed our souls. In Jesus' name, amen. If you are new here, we have a prayer corner over the next four songs. And, and as the f- songs are being sung, we are going to intersperse testimonies of our, or God's stories of our people who are being baptized. But as we sing and as they talk, you're welcome to go to the prayer corner and be prayed for if you carry a burden too heavy for you to carry. We, we hold an open communion, so if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if he is your savior, you're welcome to do that over these next four songs. And take that and stop and remember what he's done for you. Repent from anything that's holding you back. And come and be refreshed again, remembering all that he has done. All right? Let's worship him. Come on, let's do it.